Hello, everybody. Good morning. You guys are so quiet this morning. Like, just, I, there you go. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a little rowdiness, especially for you people in the back back there. All right, so when I had, um, I have three girls, and uh, when I had one daughter, I was like, this is so easy. What is the big deal? When, <clears throat> yeah, well, that's part of it. When, um, when she was toddling and it was about time for us to um, try to get rid of her passies, she was um, <clears throat> also like a natural-born thumbsucker. <clears throat> and so that's why we put her, started her on passies. So if she was like asleep in her car seat and her passy would fall out, the thumb would go in. <clears throat> so when it, we had heard, we had some friends of ours that were like our parenting mentors and they said, okay, here's what we did, and it worked, and it was awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me, little frog. And um, so we took all our passies, put them in a little bag, and took them to Toys R Us, and we bought something that she chose with the passies. And we paid with her passies, you know. So she was there. She saw the whole handoff thing. It was awesome. Well, okay, so this is my first child. We, this is her personality. So we take her that morning... And we walk through the store, and I said, is there something you'd like? And she looks around, and she looks at me, so cute, curly hair, big fat cheeks. She goes, I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> and I said, okay, all right, that's fine. So we went home and fed her lunch, and um, she woke up from her nap, and she goes, I'm ready now. So put all the passies in the car. We take her. We drive to Toys R Us, which is run by Satan. And uh, <clears throat> Toys R Us, also known as cheap plastic crap. And um, sorry if you work for Toys R Us. Um, so um, we pull up. I say, okay, now, when we go in, we're giving them away. And it's all done. There's no more passies after this. And, honey... You can't suck your thumb anymore either. Today is it. We're done with passies. We're done with thumb sucking. It's all over. <sighs> okay. Okay. So I get her out of the car. We go in. We do the whole deal. We pick up this little thing. We buy it with her passies, make the whole exchange. We're riding home. I look in the rearview mirror. She is sitting on her hands. That little girl never sucked her thumb Again, I'm like, this is a piece of cake. What? what are all these people's problems with their kids, you know? <laughs> so then um, when Delaney was about five, we, we started the process of uh, becoming foster parents with the intention of adopting. And while we were um, in that process, we explained to Delaney as best you can to a five-year-old Hey, listen, <clears throat> we're going to try to adopt a little baby, but we might have babies come live with us, and we're not sure if those babies will stay with us forever. Some babies might have to go back home. We don't know. So one night she comes in our room at about 3 in the morning. She wakes me up, and I think she's sick. And I'm like, are you okay? And she said, Mommy, I don't care if it's black or white or a boy or a girl. I will love it. Right? So I'm like, oh, this is going to be beautiful. So it really was. It was awesome. 
Raina comes to us. Raina starts visiting us, and when she's about five months old, she moves in. And a little bit after she was a year old, we adopted her. So we had a baby, and then we had at that now she's six. Pretty easy, because Delaney would go to school, um, to kindergarten, and I would have Raina at home all day. No big deal. <clears throat> but no, I couldn't just be happy. No, I tempted fate. I said, this is a piece of cake. Bring on another. I got this. So God brings to us, brings to our attention another little girl, my poor husband. He's like the estrogen level is killing me. What is going on? So we, he, we start looking into a little girl um, and at the time we met her, she was six months old, and she had actually moved into the same foster home that Raina had been in before we adopted her. So we're like, this is awesome. We meet her. Long story short, not going to get her. It's not going to happen. Things kind of fall apart. And so with kind of broken hearts, we say, okay, we'll let her go, Lord. It's not, not your timing. A year goes by. She's 18 months old now. They call back. Do you want her? I'm like, I want her, and I want her in 30 days in my house because I'm missing her first two years, and it's so important. There's so much going on there. So we get her. She moves in at 19 months old. So I go from a 7-year-old and almost 2 to 7, 2, and 19 months. Never slept through the night. No, no dietary discipline of it. She's had goldfish. That's about it. And milk. <clears throat> Adorable, though. But you want to talk about chaos? Today I'm talking about order, and this is, it came to mind how crazy my life became. We literally have pictures of Rachel, who is the one that came to us at 19 months, climbing out of the dryer. Like, seriously. And one time when... Um, we were literally, she was climbing, like her sister was trying to tumble her dry. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. They thought it was funny. It was awesome. So, and you don't have to bathe them and clean their clothes. You just do it all at one time. So <clears throat> that's how I do laundry, just so you know. So um, when um, one morning we had walked Raina to her classroom and Rachel really had desperately wanted to go to school. But she wasn't quite old enough yet, so we were walking back home. She walked in the front door, and she shut it, locking me out. Now, the child was smart enough to lock me out, but couldn't figure out how to unlock the door. So now I'm standing outside my house. And, of course, there's a ton of people watching this whole thing go down. And I'm like, okay, honey, turn the knob. Turn, turn, no, no, where are you going? And now I'm walking along the house looking at all the windows. Where, what do you, no. No, honey. So I get all the way to the bathroom window, which is really high. So I like pull myself up to it. She has taken the shampoo bottle and is like, (laughs) this is like foreign territory to me. I am like, what in the world is, I have lost complete control of my life. What have I done? (laughs) And I mean to tell you for six months, I felt like it was total chaos. I felt like, had I, I, I wondered, like, had I 
um, messed up this the feng shui of our family had I somehow, you know. But God is so merciful. Rachel is like the total joy of our life. She's so precious. She's 11 now. Raina is 12 and Delaney is 17. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them at the end. But that is kind of my world. I love order. Um, I've kind of had to lighten up after the third kid. You kind of just let things go. Let it go. Let it go for your own sanity. But if you look in your book uh, on the page, I don't know what page number it is, but it's in there somewhere. It says happy homes at the top. And the first thing I want to talk about is it says God created order out of chaos when he created the world and when he redeemed us. God created order out of chaos when he created the world and when he redeemed me. In the Living Bible, it says that the world was a shapeless, chaotic mess. Sound familiar? Sounds like me on a daily basis. And when you read through in Genesis 1, if you want to jot that to the side, when you're reading through Genesis 1 and the creation story, you see that um, God created the world in an orderly way. He had a plan in mind, and he did it in an orderly way. Now, when we come to Christ as shapeless, chaotic messes that we are, what he does is he redeems us, right? That's the process of salvation. So when I come to know Jesus and I give my life to him, he forgives my sin. He says, you are now redeemed, you are mine. But, Dee Dee and all the women in this room, you are not perfect. Right? Right? Focus up, folks. <laughs> Woo! Tough crowd. Okay, so... <clears throat> So we're not perfect. So that is why he has put us in a process. If you go to the next slide, it'll say, since since we have been redeemed, we have not yet reached perfection, but rather we are in the process of becoming sanctified in order to become like him. And let me tell you, marriage and motherhood, those are big parts of the sanctification process. Now, there are tons of you in this room that could explain this in a more eloquent way than I can. But I just want to say that it's a process that we enter into as believers, as Christians, and that process is that we are becoming more and more like Christ. That's what he's doing. When, um, I almost just said Leonardo DiCaprio, that is so sad. When Leonardo da Vinci, (laughs) too much Facebook, when, Leon, when Leonardo DiCaprio created the statue of David, when Leonardo da Vinci was creating the statue, somebody asked him, you know, it's incredible. How do you do this? How do you create this beautiful thing? And, and they, they said, it's, it's simple. I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. So sanctification in our lives, ladies, is when Christ chips away at everything that's not like him. We want to be totally in him. That's part of sanctification. And it is a beautiful and difficult process to go through. It's the most rewarding and frustrating thing all at one time. Sanctification 
comes to us when we have no other place to go but to him. I was talking with someone right before this meeting, and she said the most profound thing to me. I don't think she was trying to be profound, but she said, I just am tired of being so needy. I don't want to be so needy. And I said, you're right where God wants you. You're right where he wants you. When you can't think of anything else to do but need him, that's where you're supposed to be. That is sanctification. So, either way, whether it's pruning us or sanctifying us, whatever you want to call it, it hurts. But that's what we're called to as wives and mothers and first and foremost as Christians. So, next slide. It'll say, an orderly home stems from an orderly mind. I know, I'm sorry. And again, like Janina said, this is very convicting for me as well. I'm in the thick of it with three kids and two different schools and one I'm getting ready to graduate and it's all going down. So an orderly home stems from an orderly mind. An orderly mind stems from an orderly heart. And to me, this is how it works in my life. An orderly heart is the result of a disciplined mind. And then a disciplined mind comes from knowing God and spending time in his word. So, we're going to go to point number one. We're going to kind of back this up. And I touched on this a little bit in the December talk. But if you're like me, you think, I'm too busy to plan ahead. It's just, you know, it's a miracle that I've got shoes on today. But here's what I figured out. And I don't mean this like, you know, some of you are way more organized than I am as far as spreadsheets and lists and all that stuff. But there's got to be peace, okay? Organization isn't just about systems. What I mean is peace. What I mean is a sense of underlying calm. Productivity increases when I have a plan and implement the plan. We must spend time with Christ and his word. And I love how God seems to do this every month with the people that talk because we don't share our notes before because I get tired of Vicki stealing all my material. But <clears throat> we don't share what we talk about beforehand and God always weaves our stuff together. It is the coolest thing ever. So that's, that's our first priority before anything else. Now for me, honestly, I can't do first thing in the morning. It does not work. I've tried it. It's not been a good thing. It's been a lot of crying. I've tried, I mean, I've tried a lot of ways to do morning stuff, and it doesn't work for me. Other people, it's the perfect time of day for them. What it does mean, though, is that we need to make spending time with God and his word a priority. It's the first non-negotiable item on our schedule every day. You put it on your calendar. You block out that time. Whenever it is, you block it out, and you protect that. That is an appointment with God. Number two, you go through your schedule once a week with your spouse. If you don't have a spouse, no problem, shorter meeting, boom, boom. <laughs> Just saying. But you seriously need to go through this. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but that, that meeting, that time you would spend, would cover school activities, transportation, date nights, exercise, meal times, upcoming holidays, special events, 
Okay, this is gigantic in our house. My husband's one of the pastors on staff here, and his schedule is very erratic. You know, it was almost easier when, for a time, he worked construction. Is that bizarre? My pastor husband was a construction guy. Um, I still have more tool belt sometimes, so. Um, thank you. All right, so, anyway, his schedule is very erratic, and he deals with a lot of urgent things, people that are in need, all kinds of stuff. So it becomes even more important for us to know what's happening day to day and week to week. It really, really helps. Okay, and then after you make your plan, number three, you let your kids know what they can expect in the upcoming week. We don't ask our kids if our schedule's okay with them, ladies. You tell them this is what's going down. And then that's what goes down. Um, So it helps them to know. It helps them to kind of mentally prepare for each day what's happening, who's picking them up, who's dropping them off. All that kind of stuff is a big deal. Even our oldest child, 17, still it matters to her that we have at least two or three nights a week of being together at dinner. It's important to her. She cares about that. And so that goes on the schedule. That's part of what we schedule every week. Um, So that is um, an important thing to keep in mind is that you dictate the schedule. Now, that doesn't mean you become this, you know, schedule person and it's all about, you know, the calendar and the, the time and all that stuff. That's not the most important thing. That's not what I'm talking about. Because anything, like Janina talked about, anything can become our idol, Right? We can take pride in how great we stick to our schedule, and then that's sinful. So what we're looking for here, again, is peace and balance. Now, I'm going to do a little side note, and it's so interesting because, again, Janina talked about this. I'm going to talk about two things that will create havoc with all of this. Two things. One, technology. That's the first thing. Technology is great. Except when it interferes with our sleep, our marriages, our driving. And we all do it. We have a problem. And it's an addiction. And we can't laugh at it anymore. We need to admit that that little phone that we carry around controls way too much of our heart and our mind and our relationships. If I, and I'm just going to tell you this because I love you, but if I go to lunch with one more of you and you're on the phone when I'm at lunch with you, (laughs) stop it. I want to be with you, not your phone. I want to look in your eyes, not while you're going like this the whole time we're talking. And you all know, you've all been around people that you always feel like they don't really want to be with you? Have you ever been around someone like that where they feel you seem distracted? They seem distracted the whole time you're talking to them? Well, that's kind of how we feel a lot. And then we all have this thing, though, this longing for connection. And yet we, we're, we're destroying the very thing that will make us feel connected. So that's the first thing is technology. And so what that means is if we're going to decide that technology is not as important as we've made it, what's the next thing we need to do? We need to decide, okay, every time I have a random thought and want to text somebody or email somebody or Facebook somebody, they don't have to respond to me within three seconds. Right? Do you have that? Like, well, I just texted you. 
Yeah, I know. It was about potato chips. I, uh, if this was like, I was telling someone earlier today, I'm like, if this is about a kidney transplant, I'm on it. But if it's, you know, what kind of shampoo do you use? I'm going to hold off on that. So we got to remember and cut each other slack just because something feels urgent. And this is what we teach our kids, right? Just because you really, really, really want something doesn't mean that that's the most important thing in the world. So we got to take that lesson ourselves. Okay, I'm going to go out a little further on this limb. I've wrestled with this for the last few days, but I'm going to do it. The second thing, second little sideline. One is technology and the other is timeliness. We are moms, and it is super-duper easy for us to go, oh, well, Jimmy this and Sally that, and oh, just, they were so tired, I let them sleep, whatever it is. I was great at this, especially when I got the third kid. I could really, you know, well, you know, she only eats goldfish, and she gets cranky in the morning. And, but the fact of the matter is, really, most of the time when I was struggling or running late, it was my fault. I couldn't drag my butt out of bed. I didn't have my act together. I didn't lay the stuff out the night before. I didn't know where stuff... I didn't have the backpacks ready. Whatever it was. And let me tell you, I get it. What you guys do every day, day to day, laundry and meals, I mean, it is exhausting. And there are times when by the time dinner is over, I'm over. I am done. And yet there's still more to do, right? It still goes on. And so when I'm talking about all this, I get as a wife that the brunt of everything I'm dealing with here falls on you, doesn't it? It does. That's how it works. But I'm going to tell you, as a, as a person that for a few years worked in a preschool classroom, I watched the difference in the kids that got there on time and the kids that got there late. There were kids that would be there first thing in the morning. They'd be one of the first ones in the class, which was awesome for them. They were happy. It was quiet. There was no crazy chaos around them. They had eaten. They put their backpack where it went. They got a moment to kind of decompress and transition because transition is huge for many kids. It's a big deal, and it's not fair to them if they don't get that. And I remember specifically, there was one little girl, every day she was late. She was exhausted. She was holding her breakfast in her hand. She was crying. Her parents were freaking out, and they're like yelling at her to hurry and hang her bag at two years old. Now, is it her fault that they're late? No. And I begged them. I said, please, I beg you for one week bring her first thing in the morning. I'll even open the classroom up a few minutes early just for her. They never did it. And so we, when I'm late, when I'm running behind because of my stuff, I get mad at the kids. Do you do that? You know, you're on your way to church, you're like, shut up! Get in the car, we're going to church! Daddy's preaching today! You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Act like you like it when he preaches. When, um, when Delaney was about four, Matt preached down in Miami, and, and we got in the car afterwards, and he said to Delaney, he said, well, you know, what would you think? She goes, it was too long. And he goes, well, you know, is there anything that I could do to make it better? She goes, don't preach. Ah, <laughs> oh, children. 
So this is, um, those are little tangents, but they're important. When you tell somebody you're going to be there, be there. Everybody's, my time is as important as your time. Honor one another. Honor your spouse. Honor your children. Honor your children's teachers by keeping your word. The Bible talks about that. It says in Matthew 5.37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that means be a person of your word. If you know that children make everything take 50 times longer, you've got to build that into your schedule. You just do. And I promise you could do it. So I'm going to give you a few last points. One, you and your spouse must communicate and be on the same page. Both of you must be committed to the plan. But remember, just like I said a minute ago, you will be the one to bear the brunt the bigger part of the responsibility. I am spitting so much today. I am so sorry for all of you in the front. It's like splash zone up here. Um, Bigger part of the responsibility for implementing it and sticking with it. Okay. Number two, again, without making this your idol, in the first few months of doing this, be sure to stick with the plan. In other words, be rigid. Stick to your word and the schedule. Do what you say you will do. Once everyone is adjusted, you can become more flexible. Don't make the schedule an idol. But balance is important. And remember this, when you're doing this and you're sticking with your word, you're training your children to become people that keep their word. Do you want your kids to remember how everywhere we went, mommy was 20 minutes late and she was always saying, I'm sorry I'm late. It was traffic. I'm sorry I'm late. It was this. I'm sorry. No. That's not what, that's not what we want to build into our kids. And then number three, back where we started again, is keep your first and most important commitment to spending time with God. And when you do that, everything else makes sense, I promise. You can't do everything here except know God and his word. If you do nothing else, any of us have said today, get in God's word. Do you hear me? Okay, that's right. Thank you, Janina. All right, I'm going to read you three things because... Some of you are early on and you're still chasing little people around and cleaning up poop and all that stuff. Every once in a while, God gives you little glimpses as a mom that somehow what you're doing is worthwhile. It's beautiful, it's powerful, it's life-changing. And um, I don't know how it worked or why it worked this year. My birthday is New Year's Eve. And um, so... These are, I just want to read you these. These are the cards I got from my, from my birthday, for my birthday from my girls. This is from Rachel. Um, and they all wrote me a note. And I asked Matt, I'm like, did you make them do this? He's like, I'm telling you, I didn't. Okay, so this is Rachel, little one that came to us when she was 19 months old. Dear Mom, I love you so much. You are sweet, kind, caring, and beautiful. You have always been there for me. I've always had someone to talk to. I love you and will always love you, Rachel. This is Raina, 12-year-old, 7th grade. Dear Mom, this card says what I, need, what I don't say but I need to. You are so amazing. I couldn't ask for a better mom. You are a blessing to me, and I wish I told you that more. You are there through thick and thin. I love you so much, Raina. Um, and then this is to my Delaney, who just got accepted into an honors program at FSU. Uh, Dear Mom, every day I am so, so grateful to have you in my life, not only as a mother, but as a friend. 
You are truly the most kind and thoughtful woman I know. Through everything that you've been through personally, as well as what we've been through as a family, you've demonstrated such godliness, gracious and graciousness and patience, and it inspires me every single day. Even though I'm nervous about college, I get so excited when I think about the fact that I have an awesome mom who will always be there when I need her. I can't wait to share this new experience with you, my mother and my friend. Happy birthday. And then I love, she's, she's such a senior, she never wants to be in school right now. So she wrote, P.S., I'm taking you to lunch at the place of your time, uh, place and time of your choosing, preferably Disney World and when I have school. So I'm just saying, when you're exhausted and you're standing there and you're putting stuff in a backpack at 1030 at night and you turn around and the table is full of dirty dishes that you forgot about and you just want to throw them away, which I've done. Where are the dishes? I think the kids broke them all. I don't know. And you just think, nobody even notices what I do. It is a thankless job so much of the time. I want you to know that you are being obedient to your calling as a mom and a minister of the gospel in the lives of your children. And don't you ever let Satan tell you that that is not worth doing. I promise you it's worth it. I promise you it's worth it. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I thank you for these women. I thank you for the truth of your word, and I pray that you would make us into godly women. Godly women who let our yes be yes, our no's be no. Let us have wisdom and discernment that comes directly from you and from your word, Father. We give you our hearts and our time, our schedules, our children, our marriages, we hand them to you. They're yours anyway. And we trust that you are enough for us. Amen.